They're better than they were a year ago. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz. Brought to you by Jackson Lumber and Millwork. Bigelow T. Gravely Zero Turn Lawnmowers. The 99 Restaurants. Sing Sang Cocktail in the Can. Wind Waste Innovations. And Woodbridge Wines. On Boston's Home for Sports. 98.5 The Sports Hub. Swing and a miss. He struck him out. That's how it ends tonight. By a final score of 3-2. to two, The Red Sox take a salty loss. Especially given the way Chris Sale pitched. Tampa Bay takes the first two in the series. And Duke, that sixth inning was the Red Sox undoing. Yeah, that was, a, that was a bad inning for the Sox. And it cost them the game here. But they just got to bounce back and win tomorrow night and try to even the series again on the Thursday. Tampa Bay has now taken six of eight against the Red Sox this season. They've won the first two here. All right, there you go. That's the way it ended last night in Tampa. You know, part of me today, I was driving around. I said to myself, well, they lost another series. Forgetting it's a four-gamer in Tampa. Four-gamer, so the Red Sox can still salvage a split, as they did with the Yankees over the weekend. But brutal loss last night, if you ask me. Brutal. Chris Sale comes out, pitches well. They have a 2 to nothing lead. All of a sudden, they go to the bullpen. Brazier gets in trouble. Matt Strom comes in. They start chucking the ball all over the field. A runner gets picked off third base. They lose 3-2. to two. That's the capsule version, Jones. That's the capsule version. That's, that's of that pretty game. accurate, yeah. 617-779-0985 on the baseball, uh, baseball, baseball hour tonight. Jared Carabas of DraftKings. Is here with us as he is every Wednesday. We'll have him for the next hour. We'll open up the phone lines right away because we have a lot to get to. I'm going to start, Jared. Tony. With the, hello, how are you? Good. How are you? Good. I'd, uh, I'd like to start with the comments that John Henry made uh, to Alex Spear of the Boston Globe, apparently over the weekend, that uh, reflect the team's long-term thinking. And uh, this, to me, is is really the fundamental question in all this, at least as it pertains to the 2022 Red Sox. This quote stuck out. Henry said, I feel good, but we're still in building mode here or a building mode. We're concentrating on building our minor league system. And uh, sorry, that part got cut off, but I'm giving you a capsule version of that. We took a good step forward last year. We're taking a good step forward this year, but we are still building. Okay, now before we get on to the, more of the Henry comments, agree or disagree? Uh, I don't know that they're still building. I think that it's more along the lines of maintaining what you have. Like that, I think that those are the biggest tasks that are ahead of this team are maintaining. Okay, uh, Jones, what about you? Do you think they're still building? I mean, I don't think they should be, but I, I, it sounds to me like, you know, they're they're trying to lower expectations leading up to a trade deadline. So, yeah, I'd largely disagree with it. I'd say, no, you've built up your farm system. It's been repaired. You don't need to do any more building. Okay, so here, now, now to me, so this is why I asked the question, because this is where the disagreement is. And I, I think there is a, you know, there's a, a gray area in there somewhere where you say, are they still building? Well, yeah. Yeah, of course they are. I mean, they're still collecting young talent. They're still drafting players. If they can make a deal for a prospect, they will, et cetera. Does that, the fact that they're building, does that mean that they're sellers at the deadline? No. no I think that every team is building, or at least you should be. Even if you're good, you should always be building. Like That's what the Dodgers do. They're able to maintain and, and build at the same time. Okay, so, so really the question is, to me, 
and I guess this is where I, you know, I get off the boat with John Henry. The Red Sox, to me, are at a point where they have enough in their minor league system to be able to continue to build and chase a championship at the same time. They are at that point now. A year ago, I did not feel that way, Jared. I don't know if you did. So when the trading deadline came last year, I remember saying to Felger, and I had this discussion with him a million times, are they going to make a deal at the deadline? What are they going to do? Because I thought, deep down, I thought they overachieved in the first half. I did. I felt the same way about that team last year as I felt about the 2013 teams in a lot of ways. Okay? Like, I, I just thought they had overachieved. They weren't really championship caliber. The 2013 team proved me wrong. Okay, so I, was, I couldn't have been more wrong about that team. So when we talked about the trading deadline a year ago, one of the things I said was, would I add? Yeah, but they won't. I know they won't. Going into this year, I didn't feel the same way. And I thought that they would add at the deadline if the opportunity presented itself. So, Jared, these comments today, do you have now have doubts about whether or not they're going to do anything at the deadline? Or do you think they're going to take a similar approach to last year? Do you think they're going to go bigger? Like, how do you view the whole thing? I feel like in years past when they felt like they needed to or were going to go all in at the deadline, we had a sense of that going into it. I don't have that sense of an all in, um, but I think because of that third wild card, it, it really makes it difficult to sort of say like, well, this guy is up at the end of the year and he's on this team. Like who would even be the the big fish? Like last year, there was a lot of Max Scherzer talk. Like that guy's not really out there right now. So I don't know if it's it's a matter of you don't want to uh, overpromise and underdeliver when when you're kind of looking at the landscape of what might even be available at the trade deadline because especially coming off of last year because we're not just talking about uh, media types being disappointed we're not just talking about the fans being disappointed the players were disappointed last year at, at what the Red Sox did at the trade deadline um, so I don't I, I think it's kind of wise to to toe that line and not say hey yeah no we're we're in it like we're going for it. like we're, we're doing everything that we can to win a chance they're not saying stuff like that right now but does that mean that they're not going to make moves that'll help the team I, I don't think that that's the case i think that heim bloom is going to do what he does he might go out and acquire some relieve arms that uh many of us have never heard of and they might be impact players in the second half we don't know i mean he, that's kind of his mo okay so look i'm going to treat this like i'm a, a prosecutor or defense attorney i am going to micro analyze every term we use so when you say all in, are they all in at this deadline? All in to me is what Dave Dombrowski did when he went and got Chris Sale. That's all in. You're trading Yoan Moncada, who's one of your top prospects, and Michael Kopech, who was hard throwing. He was also one of your top prospects. But Moncada was one of the biggest names in baseball at that time. He was like a top three prospect in baseball. Absolutely. Yeah. Let, al- let alone the biggest prospect in your organization. I or, went or, back and looked at the scouting report, and the scouting report on Moncada at the time of the trade was the closest thing to Mike Trout we've ever seen. Okay, so there you go. And, and, and look, the other options at that time were Ben Attendee was in the organization mm-hmm. then, right? And Dombrowski kept Ben Attendee. And Devers. Trade, right, kept Devers, kept Ben Attendee. Eddie. Traded, uh, kept Eddie Rodriguez, traded Moncada and Kopech. So I've been saying a lot of ways, I think Dabrowski got that one right. Mm-hmm. I think he got that one right. But they were all in. They had a lot of good prospects, and they made a bold move to go get an ace. The equivalent of that kind of deal this year would be Cassis or Marcelo Mayer going out the door or Brian Bale going out the door. Do you think they're going to trade any one of those three guys? I don't. Me neither. Jones, do you? 
No, I don't think they will. They might want to think about it, but I don't think they will. Okay, so now this is where I disagree with you then, Jones. I wouldn't trade any one of those three guys. I don't think that they have so many great prospects in their system that they can trade any one of those. Yeah, three. I mean, obviously you'd need a big return, and I don't want to quibble about you know what kind of player would work and what wouldn't, but I, I, of course I'd trade prospects. I think the Chicago deal, not to sidetrack everybody, but I think the Chicago deal is a great example of exactly why you trade the prospects. Like, Kopech is, I guess, okay nowadays. Mankata was nasty. way overrated as a prospect. Like, I'd still do that deal every single day of the week. I agree Dombrowski got it right. That's a reason to trade these prospects. Okay, but Jones, again, so, so this is where I'm picking at the words. No, it's the reason to trade the right prospect. Sure. Okay, because they kept Ben Attendee, They kept Devers. They kept, uh, who am I leaving out? Uh, who Eddie. Else? Eddie Rodriguez. Was Betts already in the big leagues? He was. Yeah, yeah, he yeah, was, yeah, yeah, yeah. So, okay. So their top three prospects now are Marcelo Mayer, Tristan Cassis, Brian Bale. Who's number four? Nick York. Okay. Is New York, Nick York any good? Not in my – I mean, he hasn't performed statistically in the Myers. Okay, so this is what I'm getting at. If the Red Sox are resisting trading Nick York or Jeter Downs, who's listed as their fifth, their fifth best prospect, and I'm going by the list on MLB.com right now, okay – you're telling me you can't trade Jeter Downs to go get help? So this is where I disagree with John Henry. You should be you should be after those top three, you should be willing to move these guys. Some of the guys on this list, maybe not all of them. And again, this is where your ability to evaluate your own players comes into play. You should be able to look at Brian Mata and say, is he the real thing or not? And if he is, we're gonna keep him. We've had him in the organization long enough now where we should know his ability, his personality, his upside. We should know. Uh, Blaze Jordan, who was drafted a couple of years ago, we should have an idea what he is. Nick York, we should have an idea what he is, a good idea. And Jeter Downs, we should be able to identify which one of those guys is going to be Yoan Moncada and which one of those guys is going to be Rafael Devers. So those are the guys they should move. So when John Henry says they're building, they're still building. Sure, yeah. You're also at a point, though, where you got plenty of guys there to trade. Winkowski, Seabold, these guys are all tradable. None of these guys are franchise-altering talents, at least as best as I can tell. Cassis, Mayer, Bayo, maybe they are franchise-altering talents. Cassis was a first-round pick. Mayer was number four overall. Bayo was international free agent, and whose start here as a big leaguer has been shaky. Mm-hmm. But there is talent there, and there's upside there. So unless you're getting, just for the sake of argument, Jose Barrios back on a four-year contract, and he's already signed, I'm not trading Brian Bayo. I want a young front-end starter if I'm going to move Brian Bayo. So the the idea that the Red Sox are quote unquote building, yeah, technically it's true, sure. But that doesn't mean they shouldn't be able to make a deal at this deadline to help this team this year. And what happened last night in Tampa should validate that. Validate that. Last night was exhibit A of why the Red Sox need to get help at the deadline on two fronts. We'll explain that when we come back in the baseball hour. BackstageCountry.com, your online home for all things country music. (laughs) 
Award-winning movies often have incredible soundtracks, and many of those have gone on to become country gold. We've picked our top five country songs that have been nominated for an Oscar. Text OSCAR to 45911 to see if your favorite made the list on BackstageCountry.com. Text OSCAR to 45911, and we'll send the link straight to your phone. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5, the Sports Hub. Five-day routine, you know, no reason to give you extra rest, all that kind of stuff. I'm not broken anymore. No, so. but I'm saying, yeah. but that's the thing. <laughs> I mean, last year was always, we were kind of always wondering, right? And this year it's... A little bit, yeah. yeah. Um, it's different this year. It's definitely different this year. Um, that's all I really got to say. Yeah. Not broken, right? Yeah, there it is. Mm-hmm. Sure. I'm Chris Hale last night, after the game, five scoreless, five strikeouts, one walk. Was it two or three hits, I think it was? And, uh, you know, I've read a bunch and heard a bunch of different things about Chris Hale's performance. I'll give you my two cents on it here in one second. But he is a fundamental to this discussion on the Red Sox, which really is, what are they? Are they building? Are they contenders? Are they both? And before you have to answer that question first. Before you get to the deadline and then say, okay, what are we going to do? So I said to these people who don't think the Red Sox are in it, Jared, and I had a bunch of people call the show the other night. Oh, they're not that good. Tony from Stoneham. I just used an example, and I love Tony. But, yeah, the Red Sox aren't very good. They beat the bad teams. Okay, but then don't get upset if they do nothing at the deadline because you think they suck. So you can't, you know, you can't tell me you think they're good and then get mad if they do nothing at the deadline. So if they're not good, don't waste your bullets. Save it for another trade. Maybe make a big deal during the offseason. I happen to think the upside for this team is high. What did you think of Sale last night? Uh, there were a couple of takeaways. Uh, the I don't want to say inability, uh, more so a difficulty to put guys away with two strikes, I noticed. Um, was working quick, which I love. And I think sort of just his his mound presence was what we expected it to be. Like there was no like lack of confidence. Like, hey, I haven't done this in a while. Um, let me see if I still remember how to do this. Like there was none of that. So like the confidence being there. Uh, and, and I noticed also that, you know, it's fun to watch the radar gun with Chris Sale out there. And I got excited when it was 96, 97. But fourth, fifth inning when he was throwing 94, he, he was almost better. So I, I think that we noticed that too in, in 2018, 17 when he was at his best. When he took some velocity off, he was a little bit better. There's nothing wrong with 94, 95. It's plenty. Yeah. It's plenty if you put it in the right spot. Have to locate the changeup, though. Like, that was the other thing, too. So last year, he was fastball slider, and the changeup was nowhere to be found. Uh, the changeup, he, he, he was throwing it last night, but not for strikes. So once he can do that, then then he's going to be a real weapon. Okay, good, Jones. Well, I was going to say, and not not a lot of swing and miss last night for him too, right? right. Like I think four it was of four, them, I think. Right, for which I believe Alex Spear had a tweet something to the effect like it was the second fewest he's had, tied for the second fewest he's had when he's made fifty or more pitches in a start. So like I was surprised at that number because I thought he looked, I thought the stuff looked pretty good last night, but I I was surprised at the low number of swing and miss. So okay. you're saying the Rays were cheating? Well, no, not necessarily. I'm saying maybe he's not as nasty as uh, as could be. That's okay. uh, like what you said. Yeah. So here's what I would tell you. He was pretty good for four innings in the fifth inning. He was dynamite. He was dynamite in the fifth inning. So what I'm hoping happened is that he smelled the finish line. Clearly, he smelled the finish line. And all of a sudden, he said, we just got the lead. I'm going to blow doors on these guys right now. And he did. And you know what that tells me? His arm's back. His arm's back. It's there. 
is there. Can he do it 90 pitches, 100 pitches at that at that pace? Probably not, but you don't want to do that anymore anyway. They all drop a little bit when they get older. They get smarter. Save it and use it when you need it. And last night he did that. But the arm is back. Make no mistake. And that exchange with Pete Abe, oh, I just loved it. I loved it. Jimmy, can we play the beginning of that again? So let me just give people the background. Pete Abe says to him, okay, so you're going to go Sunday against the Yankees, presumably, right? Yeah, okay, yeah, you know, that'll be fun. Yankee Stadium, blah, blah, blah. And then Pete Abe says to him, you know, well, what about you going on regular rest now? That was the the essence of the exchange. You're going on regular rest, you know, so you're going to be able to go on five days or four days rest, et cetera. Here's the exchange. Five-day routine, you know, no reason to give you extra rest, all that kind of stuff. I'm not broken anymore. No, but I'm saying that's okay. Okay, stop there. I'm not broken anymore. This is what I was saying last night, Jared. Not that I don't expect that you listen to the program when you're not here. Mm. But let's go. Let's go. It's been a long time here. Get on the mound. Air it out. This isn't this isn't training wheels anymore. You got your arm back. You're two years out from Tommy John. You had the surgery. Everything else is healed. The injury in the spring was irritating. But the whole idea was that they would have that sale. The guy you saw in the fifth inning last night, the whole argument this year is you'd have that guy for the whole season. They didn't get him till last night. So I do agree with John Henry's assessment, if I can find the comment where he says, we've had a terrible spate of injuries this year to our starting pitching, but I think as we get those guys back, we feel very good about where we are. Nathan Evaldi's coming back Friday. Whitlock's coming back Friday, I think, as well for the Yankee series, at least based on what I read this morning. Whitlock's going to be in the bullpen, I presume. You've heard the same Correct. thing? Yep. Okay. So, Evaldi back, Whitlock back, Sale. They all make starts or appearances before the, uh, before the All-Star break. Then you come out of the gate in the second half. You're ready to go. Let's play. Let's play. I got the team where I want it. So, I would say... Yeah, I agree with that part. I'd say, and I'd say to John Henry, if you feel good about your staff, then go get another bullpen piece. You don't have to give up the future or the farm to go get yourself a bullpen piece. You don't have to do that. There's plenty of deals you can make for giving up lesser prospects. Isn't last year proof of that, Jared? Correct. And and also, uh, your guy Tapera might be available this time around with the Angels. Yeah. Okay, so he's got three years left on his contract, and he signed a four-year deal? Something like that. How's he pitching? Um, not stellar, but, I mean, a little change of scenery. Maybe get him out of there. Okay, and maybe the Angels can throw in a little bit of dough. I'd be into that. Sure. You like him still? I do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, let's go to, uh, let's go to the phones here. Again, 617-779-0985. Jared is here. We'll get to the debacle in the seventh inning last night. What a freaking train wreck that was. Anthony on the Cape kicks us off. Go ahead, Anthony. Yeah. Yeah, Tony, I mean, on top of all of the lineup issues, the clutch hitting, the offensive approach, all the pitching, the bullpen issues, now we got to see all this sloppy base running and sloppy defense. It's ridiculous. Are you guys taking the cheese on Christian Vasquez this year? Because I'm not, okay? Do you understand this guy? First of all, he's a fat load. He came in completely out of shape last year. He made 11 outs on the base path last year, and he's already made nine this year, the guy runs around like he's Willie Mays Hayes, and apparently Cora has given him the green light, which is ridiculous. So my question really is, Toronto just fired their manager. When and what will it take to get Cora the hell out of here? What? Okay. Well, yeah, I'm letting him go. So, look, Anthony likes to be outrageous. Oh, my so God. So they have a good manager. He's not perfect. 
But with Vasquez, taking quote unquote taking the cheese, he's a free agent at the end of the year. Yeah. Would you look to upgrade a catcher? Oh, no, he should be an all star this year. What are we talking about? Like, it's not. It, I'm not going to sit here and say that Vasquez has been consistent for his entire tenure in Boston. He hasn't. Um, there have been times where I think that the Red Sox needed to motivate him in, in certain ways, but I think this year he's been outstanding. I mean, you can talk about the outs on the base paths and everything, but offensively, defensively, uh, the way that he handles the pitching staff, I, where, where are you going to find an upgrade from what he's been this year? So I, I said this yesterday. I think you can upgrade there because I think he's playing a little over his head. He's, he's played very well. He's hitting 290 or whatever it is. He's a career 260-something hitter. I, I'd expect regression to settle in a little bit. So, sure, I think you could upgrade there. I don't think it's your, your number one need, but I think you could upgrade there. Is there a need to upgrade in the short term? No. Okay, right now the Red Sox are fifth in the league in OPS at catcher. Okay, pretty good. I mean, it's a hard position to get offense from. And that's not even a position that you need offense from. Yeah, the only team that has – that's right. The only teams that have above average what, – what I would call – I say above average – OPS of 770 or higher at catcher, Texas and Toronto. That's it. The next closest team is Seattle, which is at 708. And Alejandro Kirk is like one of the best hitters in baseball. Right. Not so, just for his own position. Exactly. So so they have a freakish advantage there. Most teams don't. So I'm okay with Vasquez for now. You want to tell me there's a better option in the offseason? Then I'll listen. But upgrading catcher on this team this year should not be a priority. They're doing fine. And and I'm look, Vasquez... I, I've never loved Vasquez as a player. In the last two months especially, he's been pretty good. Not only that, but every time you've needed a big hit from him, he's delivered. Yeah, like how I, many times has he come up in the last couple of years here where you've needed a big hit, Vasquez has been at the plate, and he's delivered? I, I got no issue with Vasquez. There's other guys on this team that have let me down this year. He's not one of them. No. Matt's in California. Go ahead, Matt. Kravis, I love you, but you're such a homer. Thank you. Uh, All-star? Really? I mean, come on, man. Are you kidding me? Do you want me to go over the numbers no. right now? Matt, that's not no, that outrageous. No, no it's not. I, I know, but uh, All-star well, not all, He's not an All-star. <laughs> no, he's not, but, but, but the, um, the performance is not that outrageous. At that position, I'm going to – sorry, I let him. I let you go, Matt, by accident. I don't know if you were done. If you want to call back, call back. I'll put you right back on. It's not that outrageous. It's a, there were, there's no competition at that position, right outside of Kirk. So what's he what's he hitting? Two ninety? Is Vasquez I, hitting two ninety? I just looked it up. It, it was two ninety, I think, entering play yesterday. He was over four last night, so he's two eighty five or something. Okay, so like you know, that's pretty good. Yeah. And I'm not telling you that that you know he's a Hall of Famer, but it's pretty. He's had a pretty decent year. So I you know as much as I would like to dump on that guy, believe me, I like to dump on everybody. I'm fine. I dumped on Mookie Betts for crying out loud. I'm not going to attack Christian Vasquez, <laughs> but let, you know, let's not. He he's played well of late. Like catcher right now is not a problem per se. Ed's in Boston on Alex Verdugo. Go ahead, Ed, quickly. Hey, so I'll make it quick. So I, I like Alex Verdugo. I love his what he's doing at the plate. Uh, he's a good fielder too, underrated fielder. But we want to talk about base running. I think he has an issue there. I don't know. I saw, you saw the last game getting picked off at third. A, a similar play, game four of the ALDS. I was there. I was watching it. We, I think we had the tying run. We, we had tied, and Verdugo was, you know, he was going for three when he shouldn't have been. It was just a bad base running move. I've seen it a million times with him. I love the guy. He's just got to fix it. Let me know what you guys think. Okay, so that mistake last night was huge. It was huge. And don't kid yourself, Alex Cora was pissed about it. They all were. Carlos Fabus was pissed about it. In fact, I think Verdugo was pissed about it. But that sequence there for a couple of innings, talk about throwing a game away.
We'll hit on that when we come back. Matt in California has called back. By the way, he's on the line. Matt, don't go anywhere. I'll put you right on when we come back. Okay, Jones has got your headline. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Lainey Wilson is on a roll. She's delivering great music and teaming up with some of country's hottest acts. Text Lainey to 45911 to see which four Lainey Wilson collabs have us talking at BackstageCountry.com. Text Lainey to 45911 to get a link to the list sent right to your phone from BackstageCountry.com. Now more baseball and more Mads. Okay! This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Mads on 98.5 The Sports Hub. We were trying to advance runners. You know, he got picked off, you know. My job is to put guys in situations to be successful, and we haven't played this brand of baseball in a while, and maybe, you know, that's on me right there. We were actually trying to advance the runner from first, get second and third. You know, if we score, we score. But try to get Bobby a chance with second and third, and, and ref, you know, hitting for Jackie. Uh, JD wasn't available, so we were trying to maximize uh, our bench there, and he didn't work out. Verdugo at third, and Jeter downs on at first. Nobody out. Showing a bunt, throw to third, and oh, got him. Verdugo is picked. He could not get back to the bag. And has this become a dreadful game for the Red Sox? And right there, that just can't happen. You cannot have that happen at third base, knowing the third baseman is right there. Look, he's right there. If he gets the bunt down, let him get the bunt down. You cannot get picked off there in that situation. A key point in the game. Of course, we could go to the inning before it as well, Jared, where... Ball hits Matt Strom. He whips it past Franchi Cordero. Red Sox had a 2-1 lead at the time. The second run scored after Strom threw the ball away. And then Cordero flipped the ball to Vasquez at the plate, took one bounce, went by Vasquez when it took a big hop off the turf. Vasquez wasn't even expecting to throw. The Red Sox gave him that run. So now instead of being up 2-1, they're down 3-2. And then Verdugo gets picked off third base. So... Look, again, you are, you know, you are a hardcore Red Sox fan, have been for a long time. How frustrating was that game for you relative to other ones? Uh, I mean, I, I feel like some of those Yankee games are a little more frustrating. Um, watching Franchi at first base is painful a, a lot of nights. Uh, I, I think that it really put – we keep talking about, oh, what are the Red Sox going to do with the deadline, reliever this, starter that, and I, I feel like a not – not enough emphasis is being put at first base. And that to me has been a glaring issue both offensively and defensively. And yeah, that has to be addressed. I don't think that you can do what you did last year and just go get another slugger to, to bolster the offense and then stick him at first base and hope that he can learn the position in two months. You, you actually put first base first, don't you on list of needs? Uh, I still have, I still have the bullpen in terms of right-handed relievers, but I, I, it's, I guess the the panic about that has has regressed a little bit, knowing that the the Red Sox are going to actually put Garrett Woodlock in the in the bullpen because I wasn't so sure that they were going to do that. So you know when you look at it and you say Whitlock, Hauk, mm-hmm. Schreiber, then you know a couple of lefties from the list of Shra- uh, Strom, uh, Davis, potentially Taylor, 
Right. I was going to say your guy Deekman. No. Stop there. Well, Deekman to me, he's lost me. If Deekman didn't have a two-year contract, I think he's in release territory. I, I just think he's been that bad. Too many base runners, walks, hit batters, hits. Like, it's just been too many base runners. But you don't need all three of them or all four of them. You really only need two. So you could argue first base has a bigger need than the bullpen. Sure. That's my point. Sure. You could easily argue that. And uh, I'm with you on first base. Actually, I mean, you know what? Kind of off topic, but a little bit on topic. I don't remember if it was last week or the week before when I said I think it would be interesting if the Red Sox got creative in the draft and drafted Kumar Rocker and brought him up to the big leagues. I saw something about that the other day. Okay, so again, and and um, uh, Kumar, when is the draft? Uh, I think it's during the All Star weekend. Okay. Oh, right. They moved it. Yeah. Yeah. Right. They moved it. That's right. So uh, you know, in theory, that could work. Right. It could work. If he, you know, if he lasted them in the uh, in the first round, I'm presuming he would go higher than that. But who the hell knows? It would be bold to put him in the bullpen immediately, though. I mean, he's never faced professional hitters. Never mind big league hitters. But first base, you could absolutely argue, is a bigger need than the bullpen. Josh Bell. And can I just say quickly before we get back to Matt in California? Sure. I know you want Josh Bell. You've been screaming his name at me for freaking months. <laughs> I go to bed here in Carabas yelling, Josh Bell. Josh Bell, Josh Bell, Josh Bell. <laughs> it's like, if you build it, he will come. <laughs> Same Bell. thing from Field of Dreams. Belled it. Belled it? Oh. Oh, if, oh, I get it. Get it? That's very cute, Jones. It's quick. Yeah. Shut up. <laughs> so the... the uh, this off. Oh, I, I just want to get this off my chest. That decision... To take Whitlock out of the bullpen, boy, what a costly mistake that was! What a freaking costly mistake! How many games have they blown where Garrett Whitlock might have made a difference? Can we say that he could have saved them five games More. of the ones they lost? More. Okay, so I'm being conservative. I mean, they've blown twenty. So, so but this is my point. What a mistake! And they got him hurt in the process. That's what it feels like. Uh, Matt in California. Sorry about that, Matt. Go ahead. All good, all good. I, I appreciate the time, and I'll try to be quick because I'm sure that there's uh, more people waiting. So I want to talk about John Henry's comments today because I, I think up until today they've been quietly bridging this team until that they can try to get this machine of bringing up these prospects every year and then try to integrate in free agent talent. But, you know, they, they he inherited a large payroll, Bloom did. It's going to turn over big time this year. They haven't signed anybody to long term, and they've been filling these gaps with – fringe players that don't play the right position. So this is Boston. I, I, you know, I, I don't necessarily love the approach. I really wish that they would uh, make better trades, get rid of some of these prospects and invest in the team right now. Thanks guys. Okay. So look, and again, a lot of, and I think they can do both. I don't think that it has to be one or the other. You can protect your best prospects and still make a deal that would help the team. Do you have any concerns about Jared, what the Red Sox are going to be, long-term, in other words, are they going to turn into the Tampa Bay Rays or is the idea, no, we're still going to have a high payroll, but we're just going to be able to pick our spots better than we've been able to pick them in the past. You follow me? In other words, their payroll right now is $240 million. Mm-hmm. I think they're number five in the game, somewhere in there. But how much of that was pre-Heimblum? A lot of it. All of it. <laughs> so the one note that I thought was interesting in the in the Spear piece was – I could be getting these numbers right. Uh, Trevor Story is the only contract that Bloom handed out that was more than two years and north of $20 million. Correct. So that brings me back to a conversation that we had a few weeks ago where I kind of said, I, yes, that is not the direction that we're used to as Red Sox fans. But at the same time, 
who's the guy that you wish that they backed up the Brinks truck for? Like, what? who's that name? And, and I don't know that, like, off the top of my head, like, there's, oh, man, I wish they really paid so-and-so. And people will say Mookie Betts. I get it. But the whole luxury tax thing, if you don't understand it, read up on it. That at least made sense. Everyone else, in terms of free agent spending, you can throw Bogarts and Endeavors in there, sure. Uh, but there's still time to get that done. I'm talking simply free agent signings. Who's the guy since Heimblum got here that they could have spent significant funds on that they just didn't? Jones, anybody? Yeah, Schwarber. Or Freeman or somebody like that. I, I would like a first baseman. I know Cassis is in, is in the pipeline, so if Freeman doesn't make sense, we can agree to disagree, but Schwarber. Jared, is there an argument to be made for having Freeman over Trevor Story? Uh, not with Cassis. I mean, the hype around that, like, obviously, he hasn't played since mid-May. Let me back up. Schwarber instead of Trevor Story. No, where does he play? First base. Yeah, at the time, I mean, you you were looking at what Bobby Dahlbeck did in the second half. He was he was one, not just on the team. He was one of the best offensive players in Major League Baseball in the second half of last year. So I can't really fault them for saying, all right, well, we can't put him at first. We can't put him at DH because we have J.D. Martinez. Uh, where where does Schwarber go? Like he, I don't want to say redundant makes it sound like you don't need Kyle Schwarber. I mean, obviously he was a big boost in the second half in the postseason last year, but for a full season, what do you do with him? You can't put him in left field. You got Verdugo there. Uh, maybe you're not going to put Verdugo in right field to accommodate Schwarber and left. Uh, first base was was crowded, and then DH you have JD. Okay, so here's what I would argue: you're not getting offense or defense at first base right now. You're not getting either. Sure. You're 14th in the league in OPS offensively at first base. You're 14th in defensive run saves. So you suck at both. At least Schwarber would have hit for you. And at the end of the year, Schwarber becomes your DH. J.D. Martinez goes. Cassis plays first base. Or whatever, we'll figure it out. But the point is, there'd be you could easily move him to DH after the season. So, I, I mean, I, I think there's an argument to be made for that. I think you could have gone that route. But but even then, I wouldn't tell you that Schwarber is a $300 million player. He's obviously not, right? And here's the part that when, when people say they're totally worried about the Red Sox becoming the Rays, you know what's coming off the books in the next? Well, first of all, Martinez yeah. and Bogart's both at the end of the year. I was going to say, all their good players. Okay, and then Devers the year after that. Nate. Okay. Price. So, Right, so so your, your guy Vasquez. But I'll tell you what. Let's keep it to the middle of the lineup for now. Okay. Let's just focus on Bogarts is up, Martinez is up, Devers is a year away. Avaldi. Okay, but, I thought you're talking about offensive guy. Yeah, right. no, keep it to the lineup. Okay. If if Bogarts and Martinez go, how are you going to fill those spots in the lineup? You're not going to be able to do that in a year. Okay, so so they're going to suck next year. They will not be as good next year if you can't fill those guys. There is no way they can let everybody go and not sign anybody. There's no way. What are you going to do? Put some sort of makeshift piecemeal lineup out there and try to sell tickets to Fenway Park? Who the hell is going to go see that? Do you think Nesson ratings are bad now? They'll drop through the floor, especially if they take me off the air. That's true. <laughs> let's, true. Take a, let's take a couple of more calls. Uh, Martin's in Saugus on Franchi Cordero. Go ahead. So, Tony, my idea with Frenchy Cordero is why don't you move him to the outfield where he belongs and when a Royal comes back, put him at first base until Cassis is ready if you don't trade for a first baseman. Because what I think they're going to do with the trade deadline is just pick up a couple of average right arms, and that's pretty much it. What do you think? Okay, so, Mike, what I would tell you is that doesn't solve the problem. That's just my two cents. You're still not good at either spot. So, I like – look, I like Arroyo as a utility guy. I'm okay with Arroyo as a utility guy. 
you start wanting to play him every day at a position that again, this is a as the old guys would say, this is a first division team. Okay, this is a big market, big payroll team. You shouldn't have Franchi Cordero or Christian Arroyo playing every day at either one. Chris is in Worcester. Good, Chris. Hey, thanks for taking the call, Mads. Um, I, I have to disagree a little bit with you, but but it's fine. But my my pulpit has been since mid May, right fielder and first baseman. I know our bullpen has blown, but if you put if you left Whitlock in the bullpen, and how could stay in the bullpen? You have a better, you know, stay there. You have a better bullpen with these folks coming back. But will you please say we need a right fielder by JBJ? He's a bench player. So is freaking Franchi Cordero. We need a first baseman and a right fielder. That's what I would target. Okay, Jared agrees with you on first base. How about right field, Jared? Of course, yeah. And, and you know what? the What the Red Sox are doing this year is very similar to what the Yankees did last year, where they just had a ton of guys, they were playing out of position, and it did not work. And the Red Sox, for whatever reason, saw that, and they were like, let's give it a shot. And it's not worked <laughs> they, at all. They did it wrong, but we'll get it right. <laughs> yeah, like yeah, that's yeah. A, they, they are the, the 2022 Yankees. Okay, 617-779-0985 is the number. We're going to wrap it up with Jared Carabas when we come back. I see you on the line, too. Don't go anywhere. We'll squeeze in a couple of more calls on the baseball hour. Backstagecountry.com, your online home for all things country music. Country music has so many generous artists who always seem to jump in to help those in need. We're spotlighting five who lead by example and lend a helping hand to charitable causes. See who made our list when you text GIVE to 45911. Text GIVE to 45911 and read all about it right now on BackstageCountry.com. This is the Baseball Hour with Tony Maz on 98.5 The Sports Hub. All right, we're going to jam in a couple of more calls here with Jared Carabas at DraftKings. That's a nice way of me telling you, get to the point. <laughs> Move quickly. Tim is in a car in the uh, first base issue with the Red Sox. Go ahead, Tim. Hey, how you guys doing? Um, what do you think the, the Red Sox are most likely to do at the deadline? Trey Mancini, Garrett Cooper, or Josh Bell, or none of the above? Okay, what do you think, um, Jared? Which of those three? Josh Bell. <laughs> if you build it. <laughs> Who would cost the least? Josh Bell. <sighs> Cooper? I'd have to look at the contract. They they all free agents at the end of the year, I'm assuming? I guess. I, yeah. You know, let's just assume they are. If Cooper's, they are. Cooper's an all-star, but it's the Marlins, right? Right. How's Bell's de- uh, defense? Eh. Adequate. What about Mancini? I mean, he's been more of a DH, really. But. I like Bell because of the switch hitting. Right. And he can do both well. Yeah, right. He's not he's not one side dominant. That correct. is absolutely correct. Yes. He hits lefties and righties pretty well. So I, I just like the consistency of that, you know, that he stays in your lineup. You throw a lefty, he stays in. You throw a righty, he stays in. So I to me, I like the switch hitting part of it. I always like lefty bats over righties. Almost always. He's a moose. Bell. Have you, have you seen this guy? Oh yeah, no, no. I mean huge. Yo, know, he was highly touted when he broke in. Yeah. You know, it took him a while to get to this point, but he's, you know, he's a good player. He's not a great player, but he's a good player. Andrew's in a car. Andrew, go. How are we going, Jared? You were saying that there were no real or no real free agents they were looking to sign last year. And I'm just wondering, there were two huge first base names in Freddie Freeman and Anthony Rizzo. 
are there any guys coming up this year they could actually make a bid at? Because it didn't seem like they were interested in either of those guys last year. Yeah, I don't even know that they were really in the mix for Rizzo, free agency wise. Should they have been? I mean, two years, thirty-two million, right? Yeah, I mean, it was it was affordable, sure. Yeah, but I think a lot of it, like his numbers are very like heavy Yankee Stadium. Yeah. So yeah. although we looked it up the other day, was it you? I looked no. it up with his home road number when he had twenty-two homers. I think it was thirteen and nine. Yeah. So it wasn't as bad as I thought, Jared. This year, this year he's got a lot of homers that would only be home runs at Yankee Stadium. Okay, and I I know the the batting average is low. Yeah. But again, at least you get the defense with the home runs. Yeah, consistency. Right? Like, yeah, he, you you have a guy. It, it would be nice to have someone that plays first base that actually is a first baseman. Did yeah. you did you like any of the pitchers that, that went this year? Like Gaussman, who I know is pitching yes. very well against them. Yeah, he was or, my or, Robbie, or Robbie Ray. So, like, well, those are guys they could have had. Didn't I, – I like Robbie Ray. I didn't love – The deal. Yeah, him coming off the Cy Young. Like, there was going to be a regression there. But Gaussman – he, I think he said publicly that he was asked, like, did you hear from the Red Sox? They didn't even call. That's crazy. Five years and $110 million, $22 million per. Yeah, Gosman was a miss. I mean, so that, again, in this day and age, $22 million is like average. That's not a lot of money. Charles is in Connecticut. Charles, quickly. Real quick. Hey, guys, I fell asleep at the end of the fifth inning last night, and Sale looked pretty good considering he was facing a weak lineup. And I had this nightmare. I had this nightmare that Dahlbeck, Wong, Downs, Duran, and Cadero were throwing the ball around like little leaguers in the six. And then I realized this is what we're going to be looking at next year at the Tampa Ray Sox. Have a great night. Okay, so you're not the only one that thinks that, Charles. I just, so Jones, I said this, and maybe, you know, this is something we can get into tomorrow. This idea that the Red Sox are going to cut the payroll to 100 million or 140, how are you going to replace Martinez and Bogart? How are you going to do that? So Devers will still be here, right? But he'll he'll be a uh, you know a, a lame duck next year, for lack of a better term. So, like to me, there's no there's no way they can build a lineup that is competitive in the AL East and for a championship championship by letting Bogarts and Martinez go. And replacing them with Tristan Cassis as a rookie and player X, right? Yeah. It's just not. It's not. It's not viable. Like I, I don't know. I, the Red Sox aren't going to be able to sell tickets if they do that. You know who can opt out? Can Correa opt out at the end of this year? I think he has an opt out every year. Actually, he does. Yeah, I'm saying it was. A, it was technically. Oh. Yeah. I'm saying. Huh? Well, yeah. Well, and, wait and, a minute. Now I want to know more about this. No, I'm just saying you can. I'm just saying you can opt out at the end of the year. And Aaron Judge is basically a Red Sox already. So. Yeah, I actually did. Did you see that? I met him. Who Judge? Hmm. Yeah, he basically confirmed to me he's coming to Boston next year. Oh, he did. Mm-hmm. You and you decided to bring this up at seven. Uh, seven we'll talk o'clock about in week. one minute. We'll talk about it next. Oh week. yeah, no, no, no problem. Talk about it on the live stream. That yeah, we'll talk about it on the live stream uh, that we're about to do. I, sh- I should mention everybody. Now we're cooking. Yes. Yeah, Jared does a live stream. Do you do it every Wednesday? You usually do it on Tuesday. I usually do it on Tuesdays. Yeah, but I was at the Roger Waters concert last night. Okay, so this week Jared bumped it back to Wednesday, mm-hmm. and uh, so this is the week that I am doing the live stream mm-hmm. with Jared Carabas, which people can catch us where. Uh, it's on the DraftKings Twitch. We'll we'll tweet it out. Okay, there you yeah, go. We'll tweet, we'll tweet it out. Check out our Twitter. Yeah, still- Jared's Twitter account's much bigger than mine, so you'll find it there. You still have time to shave your head before the broadcast. You still I have might, time to do that. I might, yeah. I've got some razors. A little bit of time. You can figure it out. No, you would look good with no hair. Thank you. Seriously. It's on All Twitter right. already. He does look I was, good. I was going to say. Who is it tonight? McCarthy and Silver? McCarthy and McCone. Oh, McBone. Mm-hmm. McCarthy and McBone here for the balance of the night. Uh, Jones has got your headlines. We'll see you tomorrow on the baseball.